1: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thank you very much. Welcome, everybody, to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Santa Claus versus the Grinch in a fight to the finish of the year, anyway. Can stocks mount a rally in the face of Fed and recession fears and with sentiment so bad? We debate that with the Investment Committee today. Joining me for the hour, Kerry Firestone, Jason Snipe, and right here with me at Post 9, CNBC's Jim Cramer, Joe Terranova. It's great to have you guys here. It's great to see everybody. Let's check the markets here. Just past 12 noon in the east. It's a mixed picture. Uh, We're not doing all that much because I think we're still kind of in a wait and see for next week. Uh, But, Jim, we do, I feel like have a Santa versus the Grinch feel. Evercore today says, here comes Santa Claus, superior technical position across asset classes. CNBC's All America survey, people are hating on stocks. Just 26% of the public believe now's a good time to invest in stocks. I've got seasonality versus sentiment. What wins out and why?
2: I thought that was a fantastic piece, the Here Comes Santa Claus, because it dovetails very much what I'm just saying on uh, Squawk on the Street, which is that every morning I get up, and I see multiple pieces that are negative, very few that are positive. I mean, Joe, you know, the research right now is probably about as negative but as I've It's, Santa ugly. Seen. it's Santa,
3: ugly. Santa Claus isn't going to every house, no. is it? No, but I mean, Hanukkah starts next week, and you get a little front run. Okay, but Santa Claus, you know what Santa Claus likes? It likes the blue chip stocks. Well, it's Santa it likes Cla- McDonald's, it likes UNH, right. it likes Merck. It- well, I'll tell you, Santa Claus got good taste because what I see
2: are so many stocks that I want to buy. I mean, You look. do? You see stock, a lot of stocks I see individual buy. stocks. I'm not going to give you the broad, I like everything here. Right. But I just feel that the negativity is so great, Oh, it's Scott. pervasive. It's just, it's like I got up, I said, all right. I mean, we're going over uh, with my investment team. It's like, hey, MongoDB. Oh, there's one, finally. That's a good one. I mean, no. Uh, well, how about the other 72? No, no, don't touch. Oil. I mean, today, Coach Herr, okay. We announced a deal last night with the United Kingdom. Where we basically have to, you know give them half their nat gas, Qatar mm-hmm. is our best nat gas company. So what does that happen? So chip makes it a sell, a sell, mm-hmm. a sell. Oh well, that's important. A sell. I mean, where were they with the sell with the uh, Roku? With like uh, you know. Six-
1: let's let's forgive people for you know feeling kind of negative. I mean, what are they supposed to feel? Yield curve massively inverted. The commentary from corporate America stinks. Jane Fraser, Citigroup CEO, at those conferences that are going on just a few minutes ago. Now in a phase of rolling company recessions, you hear that kind of talk. Well, you heard Solomon yesterday, yeah. Moynihan, Diamond, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, other than Kirby of the Airlines of United,
2: right. what are you supposed to feel? Well, look, I, I listen to those comments, and I say these people should be a little more measured, because what happens is there is such a thing called confidence, and if you come in and you're a member of a team or uh, you're a coach. Uh, like the Giants last year, let's just use the football for a second. And they had a losing mentality. Same Giants. guy comes in, new guy, new guy comes in, same team, right? Dable, Dib. Dable comes in, same guys. I said this to him, and suddenly they're winning. See, you can create, you can create an element of negativity. These people do not seem to know how important they are. They don't seem to know how they can set the tone. I do not. I can't tell you how many people decide not to make a purchase because because one of the richest people in the world, Jeff Bezos, told you not to. Yeah, you know, not make purchases. So you think yeah. in some respects they're talking their way into a recession, right? And we we're talking a, our way into. We don't it. have a president who said even, even one word of common sense about the stock market. So it's not like he's going to say. Nor does he care. I mean, the stock market is playground for the rich for him. But these people don't seem to know their import. And you know what, Joe? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it because they get away with it. They make they make tens of millions of dollars. They have the capability of creating a narrative, which just says, you know what, if you're careful, you can still make money. But no, what they basically say is it's really awful. If they say it's awful, you feel like a fool if you want to take advantage of an opportunity that you like. Kerry,
1: I've got Santa versus the Grinch. Bite right to the finish, as I said, at least of this year. Who's going to win out and why?
4: Well, first of all, Jim, it's great to see you. I wish I was there in person but i'll tell you i i agree with you that that jamie diamond and brian monahan don't have to say essentially that the consumer is an endangered species now i don't think that jamie Dimon used that word endangered but it sounded that way and in in fact what we should be hoping and what we are seeing is some signs that inflation is coming down and the Fed doesn't have to keep raising. And they have said that they're seeing signs. Look at housing prices. Look at targets results. We know the dollar is weakening. We know China is starting to open up. There are signs that are better and the market is not up for the year. It's down 18%. So there are stocks, as you said, that are are attractively priced right here. If we look at just the compression in multiples, and, you know, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna and say things are great, but just no. look at multiples. There's a chart that we that we put together this morning, I think Kara or Vinny did it, that shows how much growth a year ago, November of 2021, average multiple of the top 20, mega caps was 28, now it's 21. If you look at the rest of the S&P, it went from 19 to 16.8. So the compression in the large cap stocks is tremendous and that they were too expensive. And that doesn't mean that you have to keep assuming there's more compression. There, no, but you we know, are going I mean, to get through this. Yeah,
1: that, that, that was where I was gonna go. Again. Yes, they're cheaper. Yes, multiples have compressed, but are they cheap enough? That That's the question. You don't know the answer to it because you can't say whether we're gonna have a recession. You can't say whether we're gonna have an earnings recession. So you don't really know what appropriate multiples right. there well, are. You know, I
2: think a lot of people are uh, stymied about how to talk about inflation because it's been years since we've had such terrible inflation. But is but right. I mean, what you're seeing is that stocks have come down a great deal, and yet the tenor of what they're giving us, the tenor of caution, would have been much more valuable at another time. But instead, we got, we got rah-rah then. So I'm not saying go rah-rah now. I am saying that uh, it doesn't really help us to have really important people who don't seem to know how important they are to the economy. Uh, I'm not saying that after I listen to Jamie Dimon, I don't want to buy a boat. I am saying that if I listen to Jamie Dimon, I'm going to rethink what I want to get my wife for the holidays. That's going to happen all over the country, because these people,
1: are people we look to. Well, to Kerry's point, too, uh, unit labor costs lower than expected today. Uh, that's, on, big oh, on Powell's, that's big on PAL's radar. Right. New rents are coming down. So we, we get, Jason, that you know, inflation is starting to cooperate. It's just a matter of whether it uh, cooperates quickly enough or, or the Fed gives it a chance. Let's put it to you that way. If the Fed gives it a chance before it pummels the economy too much.
0: For sure, Scott. <clears throat> I, I think as I uh, you know look towards the end of the year and going into Q1 of next year, you know the, the focus for me is what's in, what's ahead. Obviously, we have PPI number on Friday. We have a CPI number on Tuesday, and then we have a Fed decision on Wednesday. Um, and to your point, unit labor law, labor costs have come down. We're seeing pressure in asset prices. Obviously, we're seeing housing rolling over. Supply chains are easing um not to say that all of these things are going to you know show up and, and you know we'll see a market that explodes to the upside but what i am saying is maybe we'll see a trend you know ppi lower uh on friday maybe we have a a, a softer number in inflation maybe a 7.2 7.1 number uh going into early next week which obviously affects fed policy going forward i think 50 mm-hmm. basis points is priced into the market Let's see what happens in February, maybe 25 basis points or so, and then how much how long will they keep it there um, is really what we're focused on and how stocks react to that. So
1: Jim, I'm looking right now at the bond market. I got the 10 year at 345, the two year at 427. Kathy Wood says via Twitter the bond market seems to be signaling the Fed's making a serious mistake. 80 basis points. She's talking about the inversion of the curve, 2.10s. Yield curve more inverted now than at any time since the early 80s when double-digit inflation was entrenched. I mean, you do hear this from, from right, corners, right? They're I'm making gonna, a massive
2: mistake. in contrast, the, these very famous people and people we, we pay attention to, whether it be Kathy Wood or whether whether it be Jamie Dimon, uh, and come back and say, well, maybe what the Federal Reserve has done is done a very good job. I mean, remember, in um, March 23rd of 2020. President uh, not really doing anything at all. The Federal Reserve Chairman said, look, we could have a very serious recession. not like what's happened in China. But, you know, he pulled out all the stops. He did it right. Now, of course, then the co- Congress then pushed on a lot of more stimulus than, than our country could handle. But the fact is, is that the, the, the hand that, that, that Powell's been dealt with, I think he's augmenting. If we're at the blackjack table, you know, he's got a six, you know, he gets a six and a five, and the guy's pulling a 10 here if we get these right numbers. Joe, when I look at what Powell's doing, I hear endless critiques. I never hear anyone saying, you know what, given the hand he's had, he's doing a darn good job.
1: Hey, Gunlock said that the other day to me for the F.A. Summit, that, you know, Fed's doing a good job. I mean, he's doing what he has to do. So,
2: right. now there's a man who knows bonds better than almost anyone in the country, maybe the best. And what he did was pay a compliment. And I thought that that was, I, I sat up my list and I said, wait a second, this is a person who's criticized when they've been wrong. And he is saying, hey, come on. That was a measured positive comment that made me feel more confident about exactly what you just talked
1: about. With all that said, are we in some level of paralysis, Joe, between now and next week for CPI and the Fed decision, when, by the way, Gunlock will be back with me oh, good. in overtime?
3: You're in a, to a certain extent, you have, you have paralysis, but look, collectively, I've said this all year, we're in a valuation recession. We're not in an economic recession, we're not in an earnings recession yet, and right now. The valuation recession's been rolling. It's impacting mega caps. So if mega caps continue to be under pressure into the CPI report, the market is going to feel heavy. I think that collectively the negativity, the pessimism that you're hearing being spoken, it's coming directly from people that are on Wall Street. It's people that are sitting in the financial service industry. And Main Street thankfully has had a better 2022 than Wall Street. Well, Main
1: Street's had a, a much bigger cushion. in in some respects main street hasn't felt a lot of the pain other than when they go to the grocery store or everywhere else seemingly to go spend their money to try and live
3: you're still questioning hard landing soft landing for the economy wall street risk assets hard landing happens so so, so bank ceos are are, they're going to be pessimistic because in risk assets they're trying to sell financial products you ultimately have a hard landing but you just mentioned mega caps carrie wolf today says it's
1: way too early to jump back into tech And certainly there would be talking about mega caps, too. Uh, Do you agree with that, even though we keep getting these calls, you know, seemingly every day? Apple reiterated overweight, blah, 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 stock overweight, overweight. Wall Street's not going to give up on these names. Should investors?
4: No. And I I think that we've seen a lot of Wall Street, including leaders on Wall Street, just throw in the towel and say, you know, I can't take it anymore. I'm just going to be really negative now. And it seems like bad timing. Uh, that would be our opinion. And honestly, would I rather own Alphabet at 16 times next year's earnings or maybe 17 with $120 billion of cash on their balance sheet than own a consumer staple stock at 25 times earnings that has a lot of debt? I mean, I'm I have nothing against The the stocks that have done well, we own plenty of them, but I see there's a big valuation disparity between those stocks that have done really well this year because of the risk off trade and stocks that have suffered all year because they were overpriced and nobody wanted to take a chance and have any risk. So, no, giving up totally on tech and communication services is not a good thing to do right now. We're supposed to buy low and sell high.
2: Now, unlike most of the people who come on air that we see, including these uh, great, great presidents, I know Carrie from when she was proper. Okay. Now, this is a person. Those are <laughs> uh, This is a person who, in the days when I was allowed to own stocks, I had, I didn't choose to own stocks. I had my own my hedge fund. But one thing I did keep was her biotech fund. Why? Because fidelity, when biotech, right? yes, when biotech was absolutely on its knees, dying, and everyone telling you to sell, Carrie, when did you load the boat up?
4: I don't know, 1993? <laughs> I don't know, 2001 no, and a you half. You bought
2: biotech <laughs> hand over fist when everyone else was throwing right. That, away. I think that's so the point how, Oh, making, yeah, right? for how about, sure. How about the yeah. way, I mean, Kathy Woods, she's got I mean, t- terrific, but how about a person in our left-hand corner of our Hollywood squares who mm. came and I was a, a great beneficiary of her largesse, said, you know what? All the biotech stocks are on sale and this is when you buy. We are not talking to someone who is like re-it-buy, re-it-buy, Buy. So what's, we're, talk, we're talking to someone who has a 30-year history of buying when everyone hates it. I listen when she talks. So what, what's on sale today like <laughs> biotech was back then? Well, I think she just said that some of these companies that I don't particularly Love the so-called bank stocks anymore because I see there's a lot of industrials that are incredibly cheap. But I I, is if you like service now, you said service now. I I do think service now delivered. They delivered incredible numbers. MongoDB, that was a fantastic interview. not stock, of course, Spike's twenty-seven. So it's it's difficult. But I'm going to bring up a tough one for you next. You know what it is? Well, Apple's
1: really hard. CRM. Salesforce, another new low today. Seeing
2: seeing um. Seeing uh, seeing Mark tonight. OK. Uh, not certain. Uh, don't like to be not certain. Uh, at $8, I was uncertain. So maybe this is the right price. But the, the uh, departures are worrisome. I happen to have thought the world of Brett Taylor, Taylor and what is it? Is it Butterfield? But there are right. others. Butterfield, I think, you know, this, the policy has been typically when you buy, when Mark buys a company after a couple of years, years, people do leave. Um, the Brett Taylor thing was a gut punch because Brett Taylor defeated the, the man who is the GOAT. He defeated, he defeated Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the confidence that I spoke with him in, at at uh, Salesforce, at, at the great, you know, at Dreamforce. Mm-hmm. I said, "Aren't you concerned? You're going up against perhaps the most richest, most powerful man on earth in a lawsuit." And he said, "Why? No, why? Why would I be concerned?" You know, because the, the law is more powerful than right, the most powerful it was person. One of those guys was like, "How you about know, that?" Yeah, in in sports, where it's like, you know, like Frank Reich when he's down. You know, he's down to four touchdowns, and uh, he comes back out. And he says, should be concerned. And he says, no, and then throws a pick, makes it worse, and then comes back. To win. At no point was Frank Wright even remotely concerned. Brett Taylor's Frank Wright. So I, I bring up, I do bring up Salesforce
1: because I'm, I'm wondering here, it, Jason. You you sold it recently? What a couple weeks ago? Just just ahead of the number. You do I own did. service now, yep. um, so maybe there's, you know, I don't know, maybe a new, a new SaaS leader, a new cloud leader. You, you, I want your take because I want Jim to, to grade it, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> for us on Salesforce, you know, it, it, it didn't have to do with Brett Taylor. I, th- I think he's a great leader. Butterfield obviously happened post our sale. Uh, but for us, a concern was on the RPO. The invoicing uh, was decelerating. The uh, sales cycles were taking longer. Um, and I just think, you know, software is an interesting spot. You know, high beta name, a lot of high beta names in software. And I just thought it was a long-term holding for us. I just thought what's coming ahead uh, was going to be a more difficult environment than what has preceded them. So we decided to unload it. Now, ServiceNow, on the other hand, had a really strong quarter last quarter. I mean, EPS growth was up above 27%. Revenue growth is above 21%. I think you have to to pick and and be nimble and be careful in the software space. But I really like what's going on on that scalable IT product that ServiceNow is building. And I love Bill McDermott. I think he's a great CEO. Yeah,
1: Bill Mack, I mean, he's doing it, right? What what do you think of that
2: analysis? Look, it's painful. Uh, I continue to have... A, a much smaller position than usual for my travel trust. I just don't trade Salesforce. I don't trade it in part because I've used the product twice. It's turned around uh, enterprise that I was involved with twice. Uh, it is an excellent product that fused correctly. Uh, the other uh, acquisitions have made it terrific. I don't like the turnover, uh, but I'm not going to turn on Benioff at this level. Should I have turned on higher? Well, I did. I sold some higher. But, you know, Joe, I mean, Salesforce, is it down on its luck? Is it, is it one of those companies that's finished? Well, how about the product? I don't think it's fit. The product I don't think is it's... a great product.
1: No, I bring that it up. It matters. I bring it up only as relevant to the point
2: of stocks that have come down a lot. Oh, no, no. It's a good, it's a good example. Because it's the hardest. It's the hardest. It's the hardest because there are fundamental things going wrong. I didn't think the numbers were nearly as bad. I think the numbers were fine. I think the sentiment is horrendous. Oh, sentiment's bad. And I would like to see Mark come on tomorrow after I see him tonight and say, listen, I need, unfortunately, I hate to say this, I need some reassurance. I need the speech. I need some reassurance. Look, I think investors like Jason, um, who maybe, look, he got out right before right, earnings, right? but there, no, are,
1: there are those who are obviously,
2: you know, still hanging on. I, I, want, I want you to hanging listen. Hanging is the right word. I'm hanging on with my remainder. And I'm not bolding, but I'm not right. Well, right now.
1: I know. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see what Benioff, you know, you glean from your, your meeting.
2: We'll see if he uh, comes on well, tomorrow. Well, I mean, glean you clean from my meeting, uh, you yeah, there's a group, you know, that there's some music group that I didn't know that I like. Right. I mean, I'm hoping that there'll be more to it. So I, I
1: want to round the conversation by, we mentioned Gunlock, um, and I did speak with him for our F.A. Summit. Uh, we're thinking about where we are now and where we may be going in the early part of the year. Right. This whole Santa right. Claus versus the Grinch theme. Right. Listen to what Gundlach thinks is, is ahead in the near term, and we can kick it on the other side of that. The question is, uh, what's 2023 going to bring? And uh, with all of the negative uh, market action this year, uh, bonds are down even more than the Dow Jones Industrial Average on investment grade bonds. And stocks, of course, although they've done better lately, like all risk assets are still down. Uh, particularly on the NASDAQ, quite a lot. I, I kind of feel like January uh, could start out as it often does with, uh, w- with buying. So I, th- I think that it's possible that we see reallocation as we uh, enter uh, 2023, which could, I, I believe, we're going to start out with good returns for both stocks and bonds in, in January, at least, at least at the beginning of the year, as we get kind of reversal of some of the selling that happened to harvest tax losses. I mean, he's not naive in any way, shape or form to the risks that exist to the economy because of Fed policy. And yet even Jeffrey Gunlock thinks you could get a little runway here.
4: Well, considering where the market has been, there are, there are not many years in which the market is down 15 to 20 percent where there isn't a bounce in the following year. It could still be down from where it was in January of 2022. Too, you know, so, so that's not, I mean, that's not a, a, a bet that's going way out over his skis. I think it really depends on what we hear, you know, unfortunately, on a couple of things. What, uh, what's going on with inflation, that CPI, those prints matter a lot, and then how mm-hmm. the Fed is going to handle them. You know, that's over the next few months, to me, the most, um, you know, important determinants of the direction of the market.
2: Well, he's got some. Abilities. I mean, but I went to the supermarket last night to get food, and the prices are daunting. Uh, but I have Campbell's tonight, Mark Klaus, and mm. he's raised prices, but you don't notice those prices. What you notice is when you go and you buy the the prime steak, and you say, well, "No, I'm not going for that." Now, I, I did try the Hormel that I got last week. The, uh, <laughs> the sp- I tried the Spam, and the Spam was not not my thing. It uh, Went up a little bit. Oh, you tried did, it. I did not it's drink not my thing. any of that. But, oh. Please. It was the figgy pudding spam. that <laughs> just did threw my stomach. Up when you in. did that. It, 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 it did me in entirely. <laughs> um, it, it was, it, but it, it was clearly a wrong call. OK, but I think the Campbell stuff is pretty good. I don't know the prices I and mean, the prices don't they don't hit me like it would be if we were to go together right now and and let's say I'll buy caviar, which is incredible. But that's OK, because we're not Dr. Oz. It's, serv- not it's services, caviar.
1: inflation, you know, services, inflation needs to come down. Oh,
2: my God. You know, did you want do any of you guys have to pay for your kids health care? If you're like in a in a transition period like I am, I, it, it's $10,000, kid. Wow! What, 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 it's ten thousand dollars a kid. I mean, I'm like, holy cow! How did that happen? I feel
1: like even with, with even with health insurance, you're still pay, you're still paying a lot. I mean, right. so you're no, still I mean, feeling like you're still feeling the inflation on that level too.
2: No, I mean that's just where I mean I want that down. No, I am. We see all these ads for the Medicare open enrollment, and I, I don't pay no attention to them until I realize, oh my God, it's it's my open enrollment. And I I analyze analyze these programs, and I'm not going to say which one's the best, because they're all, you know, but but I have to tell you, it ain't a bargain. Yeah. And health care is, look, I can avoid buying. I can buy Chuck. I don't have to buy Prime. Prime, right. But I want the Prime with the health care. I don't want to buying a five, not buying the Chuck. All right. Uh,
1: You are getting a bit of a bargain in crude uh, because it's negative for the year. Oil and energy stocks now in different directions this year as well. We're going to debate that coming up, how you should play the energy trade. And remember, Jim just trimmed a stock that was called today a top pick. So we're going to get his take on that and much more when we come back. All right, we're back. Crude feels like it's in a freefall. Yeah. Lowest level now since last December. It's negative for the year. It's below 73. Um, I wanted to do this because I noticed the other day you trimmed HAL, Halliburton. Yes,
2: and you, there was a nice piece today JP Morgan how. says
1: it's its top pick. 50 bucks is the we price target. We still a ton
2: of help. <laughs> we just felt that we were being greedy. HAL had a remarkable move. Uh, I, look, the long knives are out for oil, and they're out for a lot of the companies that have these variable dividends. Knowing that at 70, a lot of the variable dividends could be cut. Uh, I think oil could trade to 70, maybe 68, 70. But I think people are freaking out too much Mm. because we are the world's biggest supplier. There is a shortage. Right now, the Russians are sending it to the Indians and the Chinese were then sending it to Europe, whatever. But I mean, I I listen to Brian Sullivan and Brian Sullivan is over there. Over in Europe right right now. every day. And it's not like oil is everywhere like it is water. I mean, as as he did a piece today about hydrogen is everywhere but not oil. So I don't want to lose faith in oil. I recognize that people want that it's a chartist. Oil is a chart game. And the charts say sell, and I want to buy when they get to the point where people say Fang, the other Fang, the Diamondback, is not going to be good on its dividend and yeah. the Devin can't do it because those are great companies that sell at little more. But it's interesting. it's really some of the
1: best we have. You bring up a good point uh, he does, uh, Joe. It's sort of the, what the charts are telling you versus you know, the charts may say sell the fundamentals for supply demand reasons. And, you know, maybe if you're worried about the China. dividend or whatever, China uh, suggests otherwise. So what what's your take here?
3: Well, the the, the commodities CTAs are short right now, natural gas and the short oil that they're short in the futures market. And there is this distinctive decoupling that's unfolded. And I, I think it, it's warranted. Um, you do. I do. You don't think China opens up and they start I'm just proposing. I'm so a, well, I, I think that's I, a, the, I, I, one of the well, most legitimate yeah. questions there is. More, more important than China reopening is in the here and now, the Russians have flooded the physical market with oil. There's oil in ships right now that the Russians have delivered all over the world. The physical market is extremely heavy. Where I think the decoupling is warranted is I still want to be overweight energy. But you
1: sold you sold the, the EQT recently, that's right? That's a
3: natural gas play. So
1: I know that, but you still have EOG, Pioneer,
3: and Valero. Uh, you got crossover with Kramer on Pioneer. I mean, more importantly, the Joe T ETF is carrying an energy uh, weight at nearly 10%. Double. Double. Really? Double. Double. Nearly 10%. Really? Very comfortable okay, doing it. We're about, we're about six. OK, well, we, you've you've got the revenue growth. You've got a, a clear prioritization of returning the incremental dollar at the wellhead to the shareholder. Different
2: with, new style.
3: With, with Without right. question. So, okay. J- Jason, you got Chevron, you got the
1: XLE. As well, you're overweight energy too. Are you concerned at, the, at these levels of, of crude below 73 bucks?
0: Yeah, so obviously energy has run a ton. I mean, it's up over 50%. The XLE is up over 50% year to date. Um, and we often talk about the supply-demand dynamics, which I think still continues to play a role. I understand what's going on in Russia and what they've done in terms of flooding the market. You know, but the other side of it, and Joe just alluded to this. I mean, the earnings growth, the revenue growth. Uh, the balance sheets of free cash flow, a lot of that uh, exists in energy. And that's why we continue to remain overweight in the sector. Again, it's run a lot, I could I could see it pulling back some, but I still think, fundamentally, there still continues to be opportunity in energy.
1: But it's gonna be under pressure more like, more than likely until we have some clarity on Fed, recession, right? Yeah, but also, How are you gonna break I mean, out no of that was, range?
2: China's in a recession. Okay. And I think that the war isn't going to last forever. I think that actually Ukraine's winning, and if we wanted to and not play for a tie, our leaders could make it so Ukraine plays for a win, end this war, end this war in a positive way, bring back growth in Europe, have growth in China. See, these are the kind of theories that I wish some of these people who come speak neg- negatively. I, I mean, how about if one of them come out and say, you know what, we're winning the war, and if the president were to decide, you know what, we're going to send them the Patriot missiles that Greg Hayes had, we're going to make it so that this happens, this happens. That war's won, China comes back, but not with our going to be high-tech stuff. Well, we'll do business with them, and we will have a good economy. Our president uniquely does you know, floods the zone with jobs that we can't fill which is what we did with the infrastructure package. But we, we lack a, we lack business leaders who will come on and say, you know what, a lot of things could go right here. Well, and CEOs get do, paid to worry. Well, right, well, but they but they're also leaders. And I don't want leaders who tell me that we're going to play for a tie. I don't want that because that's not where I'm from. I want leaders who inspire, who make me feel that things could do well. I run a bank. You know what? There's opportunity if I run a bank. I'm not looking for Jimmy feel Stewart. Like it was start playing a Rocky game in the, the, theme in the alone. background. <laughs> no, but I just—I frankly think when I listen to the leaders who come on, they—what are they worried about? Like being made fun of in Twitter? Now, when I spoke to Prague, who used to run Twitter, I know I was a top ten most hated person in Twitter. I know it was between me and Putin many single days. I'm not happy about that, I, because I think that some days I, I do have worse days than Putin. Not that I know it. But I just think that these guys are worried about their image in being uh, too positive, when perhaps their image should be too constructive. Well, yes, I want it's them a, to be constructive.
1: It's much easier, uh, given the environment, the narrative, the sentiment, and everything else, to be, to be more negative. But, but let's you think
2: Tim Cook, okay, you now he's under Every day that comes out a new article It's bad. Tim Cook is very constructive when he speaks, and I find it reassuring. Now, I'm, it's not bogus. He's not, he's not on, on Wall Street, street of our time, But he's not on Wall well, Street. Well, but those people are paid millions on Wall Street. They should move to another part of the country. Also
1: or maybe knows, they have a better idea. Okay, but, but the knows memories that, of 08 are not right, too...
3: But f- he also
1: knows out. that demand for his products uh, is robust. He's just got a supply problem. But neither here right. nor there. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Coming up next, we'll do our call of the day. Uh, a bearish note on some big travel stocks. We'll discuss. We'll get the committee's take. Uh, ownership exists there, too. We're back right after this.
6: Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Kate Rooney. Here's our CNBC News update at this hour. Draft recommendations from the FDA say patients considering LASIK eye surgery should be warned of potential complications. The agency describes dry eyes, visual disturbances, and possible other eye uh, side effects among patients every year. More than half a million adults undergo LASIK surgery to correct poor vision. Many surgeons suggest the benefits are being ignored by the FDA. Ye's clothing brand owes the state of California over $600,000. That's according to state tax liens. The alleged debts add to a growing narrative of chaos surrounding the rapper and his Yeezy business. In the last month or so, Ye has claimed that four of his personal accounts have been frozen over claims of tax debt. And Vladimir Zelensky and the spirit of Ukraine have been named Times 2022 Person of the Year. The magazine's editors shows the Ukrainian president as the person who had the most influence over the news over the past year due to the ongoing war in his country. Scott, back over to you.
1: All right, appreciate that. Kate Rooney, thank you very much. Wolf today is downgrading some travel stocks. So Kerry, let's talk about this, okay? Booking holdings on their list, they get off relatively easy, okay? They get downgraded to peer perform uh, 1,500 to 2,500 is the fair value range for shares, according to Wolf. Expedia and TripAdvisor didn't get off so lucky, okay? uh both got downgraded to the equivalent of sell at underperform but what about this downgrade to your stock of booking
4: yeah so we we think booking is the best in class i mean the stock has been hurt the market has not believed what the company has told us which is that business is robust we heard from american express that uh, people are traveling they're spending money and booking is the major recipient of this it's 16 times next year's earnings And the 10-year average is 20 times. Uh, They've seen a lot of good signs trending uh, positive for them, despite having been in their own recession. I mean, all of travel was in a recession during the pandemic. So at this price, we think this is a wrong call to downgrade the stocks. Uh, We we like booking better than Expedia and other travel names, but we do on American Mm -hmm. Express also, in part because of the travel.
1: Why, why is booking airport, down, if, if, it's, it. if, if everything's so great, why is booking down 19% year to date? If this was the year of travel, right? Scott Kirby comes on the network yesterday of uh, United Airlines says, I don't know what recession you guys are talking about. Everything's great. You go on an airplane, the seats are full. Yeah. You try and do anything, it's hard and it's expensive yeah. and people are spending money. Why, why are the stocks down?
4: I think in part because of the war in Ukraine, a lot of their business comes from European travelers. Uh, traveling around Europe and from Europe to other places, so uh, you've got a war on the continent. I mean, I think that's had an impact. And and of and of course, it's not it's not as if this is a, a non-tech company. It's a technology business that's applied to uh, to travel and consumer spending, but it trades in part with other tech names.
1: Oh, okay. Straight ahead, the committee is ready to grade your trade. Send us a specific trade that you have made. Be specific. I mean, really specific. Tell us the name, the price you bought it, maybe when you did, and we are going to grade it. Our investment committee will. You can tweet us at Halftime Report. Use the hashtag GradeMyTrade. Kramer's going to weigh in on that next. All right, welcome back to the Halftime Report. We have a new segment called Grade My Trade. You submit your trades, the investment committee gives you their lowdown on them. Today's trade from Randall. He bought January 20th, 2023, Wells Fargo 50 calls. All right, Kramer, you own it. What do you think about this trade? Uh, Let's let's grade it.
2: Wells Fargo, I think, has just been completely overreacted to the downside. Uh, they've got a great balance sheet. I think this is a, a little tight January because I'm not sure. He gets the quarter. Can we get a chart? Let's get a chart because I want to see where the stock is right now. He gets the
3: quarter? 42. 42.
2: But uh, my problem, you know, I mean, Charlie Sharp the other day said, look, I'm still dealing with all these consent decrees. And that kind of was, the look, he's, he's very good, very straightforward. Uh, if they didn't have these, I think he'd be able, be able to play a lot more offense. But this has a huge deposit base. They haven't really raised how much you make on your account. But, man, they've invested a lot in their money. This thing was uh, on February 5th of, of 2018. The stock was at 63.
3: It's at 42. It was 48 just November 30th. Yeah. The stock is down 11% just this month alone. I, so. I,
2: th- I think this fellow's got horse sense.
3: So, I mean, you got seven, you, need,
1: you need seven bucks or so. Uh, by what? Well, right, January
3: twentieth. Well, need, need he needs to see. You need a good inflation. You need a, a, good, inflation. Kind, maybe, you need a good inflation report. Right. You need to hear something comforting from the Chairman Powell, and then you need a good earnings report. I, I and he's, he's got a shot. Why not buy the? Why buy, the common? Yields two point eight. Why do you have to go buy the calls? Why come
2: out of the? Calls? You, the
1: calls? you just would you? You just buy the stock because straight I mean, up. I don't buy the calls. But we, you buy the common who put here. Put a gun to
2: their head. You know, if, if I if I put a gun to their head and say you should buy Wells Fargo, wouldn't you say Jim, put the gun down? I mean, why, why do that? in <laughs> your head? All right. Well, that's it why we have good. the segment. Charlie, Sharp. Hey, Charlie, should I buy calls in your stock? Hey, why don't I buy my stock? All right. Well, that's why we
1: have the segment. It's Charlie. Nice at all? Is a nice experience So wait, wait. Charlie? Let's let, let, let's be clear on something. I'm you, Charlie. You you obviously like Wells. Okay. Yeah. So this is literally grade my trade. It's not like you, you hate like the Wells. trade. What are you going to give? What are you going to give the trade?
2: The, not a photo on the call because I think that's just a. I mean, to me, you don't like a, the options. No, it's, it's just wrong. I mean, like, I want the common stock. I want it Wells Fargo, I want it for the trust. I want it for a long time. So what I want do you give the trade a D? Or do you
1: give well, it, like, a B? Because you still like incomplete. Wells, you just don't it's like incomplete. the method. It's, a, it's
2: an incomplete trade. Because he's going to sell the call and he's going to buy the common. I have to give him an incomplete right now. I'm going to let him come back. Okay. <laughs> he's All right. Gonna, you know what he's going to have? He's going to have one of those nightmares that he missed the final. <laughs> guy he's loving the fact that It's going to go to 49.50. I can guarantee you this.
1: I've been there. Randall is loving. Randall Neff, by the way, is loving the fact that you went deep on on that trade. That's the whole point of this segment. Please keep them coming while while we're doing this. Can steal the
2: segment from my own show? Do
1: not. Not Do not. Jason, the banks. Uh, You got Bank of America, uh, Goldman. Both CEOs cautious yesterday. PNC and the XLF.
0: Yeah, so I, I have a fair amount of exposure. Um, not overly excited about the banks here. I think seasonally, as as we look to a potential slowdown, you know, generally speaking, banks don't don't perform very well there. I think there's some net in- interest margin pressure, as Kramer just mentioned. They haven't raised rates yet uh, for for the consumer, uh, but they will. Um, you know, and IB has been, I mean, obsolete. There has been no underwriting activity uh, this year. So. You know, there, there, there's concerns for me with the banks. Um, loan growth has been something that's, that's been relatively decent over the last couple of quarters. You know, that, that's what I've been turning to. But for me, I'm not overly convicted in this space.
1: Okay. Uh, you can stay with us. Mike Santoli is next with his midday word. We're right back. All right, Mike Santoli, our senior markets commentator here for his midday word. I mean, the only market really moving today is that of uh, Aaron Judge, who <laughs> yes. scored himself a big win
7: uh, on the new 52 week highs. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. All uh, time high.
7: Yeah, for sure. All time. But what uh, are we doing?
1: We're we going to sit here for a week and, and do this.
7: I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I don't know if we're going to sit here. I mean, I understand when the market's a little bit on edge. Um, you're right in the middle of this range. We've been in for seven months or so. Honestly, 39.50 is right in the middle of it. Um, look, the, the Treasury market's screaming at investors that you got to brace for something not so great, right? With the, the shape of the yield curve. This kind of, what is it, a disinflationary bust that crude oil is telling us about? I think the thing I keep coming back to is, are we over anticipating this? The market seems so far along in this process of saying there's going to be a downturn. um, It's in the bag. And how do we know that? You have strategists on balance for 2023 are calling for a down market. CEOs Never happened before. You know. And and I I get it. And and CEOs can kind of on some level be self-fulfilling about laying people off and creating the bust. However, the offsets are. Mortgage rates getting pulled down back into the zone of not so terrible. Um, And and oil is a support for whatever consumers are doing. So I I find it interesting that we're at this point in December um, trying to figure out how bad it'll be. And it also shows you the fact that this rally fizzled exactly where everyone thought it might at the downturn. Doesn't it t- tell you that it was a kind of a low conviction rental type of trade? Oh, gosh. And as of soon as it didn't get escape velocity,
1: you backed off. There's no that. conviction whatsoever that you can <laughs> put anything together for, for a rally of any kind.
2: Even Gundlock saying, okay, stocks can know, go up, but uh, who believes it? I mean, so you have Toll Brothers up, it was up about 12% from the bottom, and today it's up 3. Okay. So, toll, and then Home Depot's the lows are good. Now, these are supposed to be crushed if things are as bad. Are the stocks lying or are the, are right. the bonds lying? I think that the stocks, we just heard the reports, they're pretty positive. Doug Yearly, so non-promotional, and Toll Brothers did very well. Yeah. So I mean, I, in a horrible I, part of the market. Yeah. You're supposed to sell Toll. You're supposed to short Toll. You're supposed to. No, they bought back a huge amount of stock. They're doing quite well. Yes, the, are the orders what we want? I don't know. I tell you,
3: I feel a lot. I, you, I feel a lot better about that than owning any semiconductor. Mm. As you move into the Quick. new year, there is competition for equities for the first oh, for time sure. in many, many years. Yes. So you got, you've got you got to keep that in mind. That's going to temper, temper a lot of the appetite. Yeah. I know,
2: but at the same time, I mean, I, I look at Home Depot and Lowe's, and they are up so much more. than They reported numbers. They were fine. Now the stocks are screaming because there's a sense, well, you know what? Some of this kind of opportunity, opportunity. But the people who run big money or, I mean, run banks would tell you that, well, look, housing's not good. Well, I, I prefer to speak to someone who has made his whole life housing. And we, last, we just lost Bob Toll, but he taught Doug Yearly a lot. And one of these he taught was, that, you know, do well in a, in a tougher time. And, that, I, I'm, uh, and Yearly, I trust. Not in, uh, in uh, what's the fellow runs runs JP Morgan? This hurricane. Sam Free. Oh, no, I'm The I'm hurricane. Sorry, way out of line. Uh, I'll see you mm-hmm. in a few minutes. All right, yep. All right that's Mike Santoli <laughs> yeah. with his midday. We haven't worked Sam Free minutes. I just had to work minute. I know you did. All
1: right, check out this mystery chart. It's up more than uh, 10% in a month. Do have a bullish call out on it today, saying it could climb double digits from here. We'll reveal it next. All right, we showed you a mystery chart. Now we tell you what it is. It's Thermo Fisher. Stock's up today. Got initiated outperform uh, today at RBC. Price target goes to 661. Carrie, you own it.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good call. I mean, Thermo has had a tough year in part because they told everyone they weren't going to have $5 billion worth of profits from COVID testing. And the market understood that. Uh, but their base business is very strong. Reagent instrumentation, the best in the business for analytical um, devices for the biopharma industry. And at this price, we think it's attractive. And it's it seems to be insulated from a global uh, slowdown.
2: I see her Thermo Fisher. I raise her down her. Why? <laughs> I think mean, mean, Danner also have the same problem, but they're doing that spin-off. You know how it does if they've done that spin-off card. Fantastic, both those stocks are great. I love Mark Casper, he's fantastic here.
1: Joe, what about this space,
2: which I know you
1: you have been in? Both of them are in Joe
3: Yeah. Thermo Fisher and Danner. Well, there you go.
1: Yep. Okay. We will take a quick break, we'll come back, we'll do final trades next. 4 o'clock Eastern today, we got Liz Young on set with me. We're talking all things markets, obviously. Star venture capitalist Rick Heitzman uh, with me as well. How much more do growth tech valuations need to come down, if any? We're going to ask him and uh, he'll give us the answer. And how about this? You know Mike Mayo was with us a few days ago? Well, and he was gushing about Bank of America and all these, all the financial stocks. Well, he listened to what Moynihan had to say yesterday at that sell side conference. He's coming back on today because he made a move. He did? He made a move. But i can not going to tell you what it is. got to okay. tune in. Okay. okay. A few hours from now, see what's up. What do you got tonight, speaking of what's up? You know what?
2: Up. I've got, look, Campbell Soup had, let's talk about this, Mark Klaus. I mean, he is just simply unbelievable. What a number he put up. Alan Shaw is making Norfolk Southern even better service-oriented than it was. And Bill Reed, you know what? We have Bill on, well, because our buddies at Elliott added. Elliot is a really good firm. Added a board member to Pinterest. I think Pinterest is so undervalued. But it's part of that cohort that people hate so much. Well, I'm glad you
1: brought it up because uh, Rick Heitzman, who's on, as I just said, he led the investment in Pinterest. He did? So that'll be a great oh, little well, tie-in. So we'll oh, talk to him.
2: Because they can make, if they can make that thing so it's, uh, it, it, they actually can take your money rather than just you know, look at it and do pins, look at. All right. So that's, uh, that's a I good tie-in there. Elon Musk could put that together with, um, I don't know. You got, a, uh, you got a final yeah. trade? Estee Lauder, okay, so it was up six yesterday, down three today. But Estee Lauder, Heinen is now open. That is where most of the of Estee Lauder's business is done. Nineteen times mentioned on the call that Heinen has to open. It is now open. People are using, going. It's a hundred points down since Heinen closed. Mm. So how about adding a hundred points to Estee Lauder, Fabrice It's Been great having you here today. Fabrizio de Freitas may be the most undervalued CEO there is, and he doesn't do any of that stuff. The banks, the underpromised bank Joe guys. T. Do you want to give my final trade? Go Lenar. hurry up. I got 20 seconds. Less than Lenar? 20 seconds.
4: Stuart Lenar. Miller? He's right. the
1: best. All right. Carrie, give me a name.
4: S&P Global.
1: Okay. Doug Peterson is Jason the best. S- Jason Snipe. <laughs> PEG. All right. Good stuff, guys. My utility company, the best. The exchange is now. CNOT. you OT. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.